The only time it happens where I may not look at a resume or someone in the company may not or other recruiters may not is if, for example, the role needs to be in a specific location, the person isn't in that location and they don't have a right to work in that location, right? Because then there's a whole relocation, immigration thing. It's a big expense to the business, all that stuff. And if it's not possible for that role, but that's the only reason. Welcome to another episode of Hiring Behind the Scenes, where we talk to recruiters and hiring managers and lift the curtain on the hiring process so you can better understand how hiring decisions get made. This week, we're with Matt Herndon. Matt is a recruiter at a large gaming company and puts out a tremendous amount of content on how to help people job search. He's recruited internationally and is currently based in the UK. We cover some really cool topics in this episode, especially given that he works at a gaming company. We talk about how interests affect a hiring decision. If I'm applying to this company, do I want to show that I like gaming as an interest on my resume? Does that affect hiring? Matt brings up some really good interests on how you kind of got to lead with competence and then you can talk about interests. We talk about how to optimize your LinkedIn, how to bring your personality forward so recruiters can pick up on these cues and whether they want to bring you in or not. It's a really great episode. We cover a lot of really great topics. Matt is very, very knowledgeable. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Everyone. Welcome to another episode of Hiring Behind the Scenes. And this week, we are lucky to have Matt Herndon on the show, who brings an international perspective and also puts out a ton of great content, quite active on LinkedIn. And I think you've been growing your TikTok with really good stuff on there. But let's hear from you directly, Matt. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Dave. Really appreciate it. I feel like we sort of have known each other through LinkedIn for a little bit here in TikTok as well. Uh, so yeah, my name is uh, Matt Herndon, pronounced correctly, as you as you said the first time, smashed it. And uh, yeah, so I'm a senior recruiter at Activision Blizzard King at the moment, uh, primarily focusing on corporate roles. So a lot of stuff around, for example, security roles, cybersecurity roles, marketing, data, strategy, those types of roles, been in recruitment for about seven years, I guess, kind of overall, you know, sort of touched on it in a couple of my first jobs. And yeah, started posting on LinkedIn really because I, you know, I saw a lot of, I guess, kind of misinformation out there or information that I thought, I'm not really sure that's how it works. Just started getting involved in that. And then it sort of, you know, took off a little bit. And yeah, just really wanted to kind of help job seekers out, which is why I think we came across Teal and, and you and and me and um, a lot of the other guys on, on LinkedIn. We all have the same mission, right, to help job seekers. So yeah, that's a bit about me. All right. Well, we're going to do that by giving them some inside view. Just hearing you do your intro made me think of sort of new questions, which is sort of downside of me not being a great preparer and sort of shooting from the hip. So a couple of themes, I'm just going to put them out there more so we all know them and maybe we get to them all. One, a topic that I've been thinking a lot about is the domain in which a company exists. You work at a company that is a gaming company, and there's a lot of people that are interested in gaming, but their profession is something different. So I would love to talk about that. Another is how job seeking is mostly the same around the world. Like you can give advice from the UK that I think is very applicable. There may be some like some slight nuance, but I often say it's kind of like physics. Gravity is the same everywhere. Job searching is sort of kind of the same everywhere. And then the criteria by which you evaluate candidates and your relationship with hiring managers and at the rate at which you do it. But if it's cool, I'd love to dive into this first one, this kind of if because right, like interest section on a resume, well, then we'll like to but. You know, someone's like, oh, interest is silly. Like, who cares? But I don't know. Like, if someone said I'm like a champion 
gamer and I happen to also be a social media manager, there's something about the domain that I feel is worth highlighting. This is like super specific. Sometimes it's a little more general, but I don't know. Is that stuff that helps people stand out at a company like Blizzard Activision? So I would say that it absolutely can help you stand out. I would say it does depend on the role. So sometimes we're not necessarily, first of all, I, I'm always happy to talk about the the products and, and the games and particularly Crash Bandicoot and Spyro and uh, a guilty pleasure of Candy Crush all day long. I can, I can talk about those all day long. So I personally love it as a recruiter if someone kind of is into that stuff and doesn't, doesn't even necessarily have to be all of our games, of course, but just kind of gaming in general. I could talk about that all day long. For some roles, actually, to your point, so earlier this year, I think it was, we hired a few social media specialists, social media managers, specifically for uh, some of the Blizzard franchises. So like World of Warcraft would be an example. Now, the people who had experience in social media, that was kind of the first and ultimately most important thing like if you kind of had no experience in social media at all if you were like you know i don't know a data analyst or something and you loved world of warcraft like whilst that's great that you love the games like just for this particular role the skills are the most relevant thing and then it's really great if you have an interest as well right um but to your point like we had a couple of cvs where it's like people had the skills they told us they were kind of interested in world of warcraft and actually not in a kind of way where it was difficult to kind of read or understand the content of the CV, but they'd kind of design the CV a little bit, like they might have put kind of a little logo on it and things like that. And that kind of makes you think, and in particular for a social media role, right, where you kind of want someone to be a real advocate for the brand or the franchise in this case, that definitely helped people stand out. So I'm with you. I don't, I suppose there's the chance you can open yourself up to some form of bias, like by putting interests on there and i do get that kind of perspective i personally love to see it and you know it's really cool to hear about what people are into um it's really cool to hear about just the person as a whole rather than just kind of a list of skills on a on a resume or cv otherwise there'd kind of be almost no need for that sort of initial screening or initial chat initial interview because you could be like oh well you have these skills therefore you will just will just put you through there it's like i want to get to as kind of talk to you as a person as a whole person not just as kind of a bunch of skills so yeah i'm with you and uh and and for particular roles they can really help you stand out i think like the specificity is the thing i think one of the challenges with job search advice is it's given in this very general way and there is no generalities it's actually all about specificity so now let's take it back to the other topic because you even you said other things like a logo on a resume that sounds blasphemous. So we'll, we'll get into that. All right. So now you're you're looking to hire someone. Let's use a social media manager. That's a great example. How do you learn what the ultimate hiring manager is? Because you're a recruiter, so you kind of help them. How do you gather the information of like what they're really looking for? I mean, obviously some of it's in the JD, but there's always this like conversation that hopefully the JD captures, but you need to be like their agent, right? You're, like, you're looking on their behalf and you want them to be satisfied with the candidates you bring. And it's like, awesome, Matt's helping our team be better and he's finding this incredible talent that I don't have the time to find. Yeah, how do you take in that important information for the hiring manager? Yeah, so we always make sure that we're doing, I guess we would call it an intake meeting or you know, just even so, even like a partnership meeting, right? Where the headcount gets approved, the role gets raised, put in the system. There's a job description. Us recruiters can look at that job description. We can run it through uh, a tool that we use to make sure that we're using the most 
diverse and inclusive language that we can in order to get the kind of, you know, the widest range of talent possible and give everyone a chance. But yeah, really, it's the conversation, as you said, with the hiring manager in terms of what they're looking for. And I, it might sound like an obvious question, but I usually say to them, I'm like, hey, look, so obviously I got the JD here. Like there's some of these kind of non-negotiables, the requirements here, like tell me aside from the job description, what do you need in this role? So, and that can take a bunch of different, so I might ask that, I might ask, what do you need in this role? What are you looking for in this role? I may also ask them like, what is the most like pressing thing that this person needs to come in and and resolve? Because when you're hiring someone, it's because there's like a problem to be solved, right? Even if you're kind of growing as a team, it's because, oh, well, we really want to do this thing, but we don't have the resource or we don't have the know-how, the expertise. So I think that's really important to ask because then you can assess, obviously, based on like the candidates, when you talk to them, you can get a sense of their experience. And I might say, oh, hey, can you kind of chat me through your latest role? And they may kind of come to that point anyway. But then I get to say to them, I'm like, look, you've seen the JD and you can ask me questions about that. We can talk about that. I can expand on that. But like, this is also what the hiring manager has said is kind of the most pressing issue. What would be some like examples? of like things that they would say to you. Like, I love to go after the obvious stuff here because we we as like folks that are in it day in and day, I was like, oh, that feels so obvious and so trivial. But for everyone else, this is like, oh, wow, this is like, that's actually how it happens. Yeah, that's such a good point. I think that was what I first noticed when I posted on LinkedIn. I was like, man, some of this stuff seems so obvious. But like you said, it's only because we do it day in, day out. So yeah, an example would be, so for those social media roles, I remember specifically the priority in the roles, although there were social media roles, the priority wasn't so much the creative side of things. It was the basically like the schedule, right? The content planning and the schedule, because at the time we were getting some stuff out there, it was really sporadic, you know, and then stuff was late, it was falling behind. And it's just, you know, we're fortunate enough to kind of like the fans of the games, like obviously love it. And they're very passionate and um, give us feedback, let's say, which is really great. But yeah, so and whilst that was on the job spec in terms of, you know, you like some of the scheduling tools that they may use, for example, and some of the content planning, content scheduling, the creative stuff was kind of also on there. They probably wouldn't have known that like the priority, at least for the next like few months, like get onboarded first, get up to speed, all that stuff. And then when you're kind of really ready to go, um, so probably after a few months, to be fair, then you know, this is going to be the priority. So one, you can tell if the person has that experience. And two, you can be upfront with them about like, this is what the role is going to be kind of to begin with, for example. So if you're like, I want us all to be on the same page, you know, I don't want you coming in thinking you're going to be immediately kind of, you know, creating all this posts and cool creative stuff when there's a bit of kind of almost grunt work, if you like to do. So like, as an example, if I was that hiring manager, my guess would be like, look, we want to be publishing like three TikToks a day through the weekends. So we're talking about like someone who's got experience with high output. We're not talking about like one perfectly crafted TikTok a week. I want someone who was at a company that their TikTok was like a content machine. And that's like not necessarily in the JD, but I'm like, okay, so I see that this is a company who's like super active on social. They've got that experience. They may not have written it, but they probably know what it means to be doing like high output on social media. So I'm gonna look for folks that worked at companies that had like high throughput or anyone who called it out on their, like, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for like high output social media versus, and they even like mentioned platforms, like, hey, we want to go big on, they have got experience on Twitch or experience on TikTok, or I want them to do YouTube shorts. Like, are you looking for that level of specificity? 
So ideally, yes. Again, I'll say to the hiring manager, like you talk about the non-negotiables, the nice to haves. But for example, this role was definitely like TikTok and Instagram. Like that's where we need to be. And as you said, to the point, I can't remember the amount of posts per day, but it was a per day thing, you know, not just again, you know, once a week type thing. It's like, no, we need someone who's done this, who's scheduled, who's done this. And it doesn't necessarily need to be, have come from like a gaming company, of course, but certainly somebody you know, if they'd come from, uh, as you said, just kind of that high output role. I mean, if if they were in gaming, sure, that could be great. But yeah, so it would be that specific. Now, it, I remember the hiring manager saying to me, look, if, they, if they're kind of really good on one or the other and they haven't kind of done the other one, then like, that's not a problem. It's more about the sort of the skill set. And that's really when you talk about like, that actually is a transferable skill because it's like, it's they've done it on this platform, they can do it on another one. It's like, it's more difficult to sell it when it's like, you know, the transferable skill is like leadership or something like that. And you're kind of like, well, that's kind of a bit more nebulous, right? That this one was like a direct kind of hard skill that you can like actually probably do it on this platform as well. So, but yeah, we would absolutely be that, that specific. I think this is like what gets lost. And as one of the people who like sort of beats the drum of like, look at the JD, it's also like, I don't know, maybe it's your accent, but I'm like, I'm I'm like channeling Sherlock Holmes. I'm like, you know what you <laughs> need to do is like, it's this, right? Like, okay, so if I'm applying to a company that's a gaming, let me go to their TikTok. I'm a social media manager. Okay, these are all like screen recordings. These are live streams. And if my experience was an Adidas brand that sold jewelry and like we got influencers to like show it and wear it, well, that's different. Like, all these little micro things that actually just don't get written, but they're happening passively, right? Like in the person evaluating the resumes. And so if I can do that, I'm like, let me put myself in the shoes of this person. How do I make their job as easy as possible for them to be like, wow, they can envision how I would jump right in and add value immediately. So say, oh, well, I also got the influencers to show how easy it was to check out. And we showed them doing that. And so it's like, I know how to incorporate the digital medium into because my experience was in physical product because someone else might have it just like implicitly it's like oh well they worked at epic so easy peasy versus you know it was like so i need to do that extra work to have myself stand out and show that i'm capable oh i couldn't agree i literally i mean yeah we're um singing from the same hymn sheet as i think <laughs> the the saying goes. maybe that's a british one i'm not sure <laughs> yeah. but you're exactly right like it's that's when i talk about as well like and perhaps i can you know there's definitely a post here or you know a tiktok or whatever but it is like that's when i talk about doing your research as well like you're applying for that go to these social media pages what are they doing what are they doing really well what do they clearly like doing that they may want to continue what some things that you've done in other companies that they're not doing that has performed really well for example particularly again if it's in like a d2c brand something like that i absolutely love it when like I, i'm screening a candidate or i hear from a hiring manager that a candidate has kind of done that level of research um it's very difficult to like say no to a candidate who's kind of put that amount of work and effort in because like you said they're putting themselves in the hiring manager's shoes the hiring manager ultimately has a problem they need solved if they can see that person oh my god like they've taken the initiative to do this like all this stuff already and honestly even that wouldn't I, like it is time and effort like i'm not i'm not going to sit here and say it isn't but it's not like hours and hours of like sitting there doing it or it's like especially if you know your stuff you know your craft a little bit anyway like you could go and do that i mean again even in the interview and then you can say hey like i you know i saw on the job spec this is what you're looking for this is what I have done. 
this company, this brand. This is what I saw you guys were doing. So it seems like they could be a match. I also, you know, did notice that actually you guys weren't doing this. Something that had gone really well for us at so and so was this. That's something that I potentially would be able to bring. I mean, that you would stand out like I mean, it would be the, I can imagine a hiring manager saying to me, Matt, get just get them, get the interviews done as quick <laughs> as possible. That's what you want. You know, I think when people hear stuff like this, they're just like, oh my gosh. How can that be expected of me? So there's two things I want to say to that. It's like, one, you'd be surprised how easy it is to stand out because so many people put in zero extra effort, like zero. And I'm talking, like, I don't think people get it. Like the idea of just like folks that aren't even like objectively unqualified. I bet you for that job, you got a data analyst that applied. It's like, look, that person's out. And those are the people that like bring down the averages on these like six seconds and stuff like, cause it's not even a second. It's like half a second and they're out. And they took like that minute person and now bam, your average is six seconds. So there's standing out actually not that hard. We're not talking about hours and hours of research. And again, part of what goes, if you're able to do it, it's like, oh, that it implicitly shows, you know, like you have depth in the field. So it should be quick. Yeah, exactly. And so I don't want people to feel like discouraged. And, and then also like, you don't have to do it, right? The whole thing is to stand out. And I think you have to recognize it, how risky a bad hire is for a company. So putting a little bit of extra effort to stand out, I think an aggregate is, is totally worth it. But again, you don't have to do anything. It's just a way to stand out. It's a way to stand out. And yeah, I totally agree. And I, I also would hate for people to feel discouraged about that. As, but I, just to your point, I really think it's a lot easier to stand out than most people think. It does not take hours of stuff, particularly, as you said, if you kind of know your stuff already. I really think the juice is worth the squeeze when it comes to that. And I think the part that I really want to emphasize is it's ultimately the content. It's not the gimmicks. You don't stand out with good packaging. You stand out with good content. So talk me through how you, so you've had this intake with the hiring manager. They're telling you these things. I want this person who's like velocity oriented. They're operational. They've used systems, but they get the creative part. Now you're looking at resumes. You probably got five, 600 applications. What are like, the things that like trigger your spidey senses. And you're like, yep, that's one I'm moving to the look at more later pile. Yeah. So that's a really, really good question. I would say, and again, this is not necessarily an absolute must do, but it can help in that some people, very few people, they did a little kind of summary at the top and it was very geared towards like exactly what we were looking for. It might have been like, you know, social media manager with X years experience working in D2C brands, producing high volume content for TikTok, Instagram and whatever else. I mean, if they'd said that, that's already in that sentence. OK, great. That's a kind of let me bookmark that. I'm going to check that one later. I always say this as well. And it's Usually in social media, it's not too bad, but like really just kind of making the job titles work for you. Sometimes the kind of titles can be really nebulous and, and weird and it's not the be all and end all because the rest of the content is going to be more important. But I think even just like if your title is kind of weird, you can just still make it like, you know, social media executive or junior social media executive rather than it might be just as an example, it might be like a marketing executive and it's like well that can mean any number of things so i think kind of you know make it work for you and then ultimately yeah literally just the the bullet points on the resume i want to see okay great where's the experience that's what i need to see first that's what i need to get a sense of so i'm always an advocate of having obviously having the experience kind of first if you know below the summary if you're going to do one but experience first and again it was really kind of some of the things they had 
achieved in their current role. And in this case, there are more metrics than this, but there was certainly an element of simply the volume of posts. So it's like, you know, posted three times a day on social media network, you know, TikTok and Instagram for the past year straight or whatever it might be. But it was like, okay, cool. So we're kind of looking for the high volume stuff. It wasn't kind of like, oh, we know the YouTube. Right. Once a month YouTube documentary style. Exactly. Once a month YouTube. Were you looking for the technologies and platforms like by name? Yeah. So in particular with like TikTok and Instagram, it would be like, I need to really see that on there. I know there's other kind of similar platforms around, of course, but those were kind of the two that I was, I really want to see that. And like we said, if if there's neither of them on there, that's going to be difficult. If there's just one of them on there, along with the kind of the other bits of the CV resume, that would potentially obviously be a yes as well. And I know there's like, you know, there's different like social media scheduling tools, platforms. Like I think in this case, it was like one particular tool that we use, but that wasn't necessarily kind of the deal breaker. You know, if they've used that, great. If they haven't, there's kind of different social media tools that you can use to schedule. Was that named in the JD, that scheduling tool? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was put as a a sort of bonus. Uh, nice to have, not as a need to have. Yeah, the requirement was like experience with a kind of social media tool. And it's like, if you've got experience with the one we use, that's great, right? But it's kind of like a recruiter going into a new company. And it's like, if you don't have experience with that particular ATS, okay, fine. I'm sure, you, you know, it's not, they're all relatively do the same thing. So, so yeah, there were definitely kind of a few kind of keywords that I'm honing in on that I'm looking for. So really, like, again, to your point, like, read that job description. Don't be shy of just looking at that job description bullet point, writing a bullet point that addresses that, you know, that is what we're going to be looking for. So yeah. Is it safe to say if you didn't see Instagram or TikTok on a resume, the chances were very low that that person was going to get moved forward? Yeah, the chances were very low because I, maybe they have done it, but it's like, again, those were put as kind of the you know tiktok or instagram if you have both that's great but those are part of the non-negotiables there are you know as much as some of the content out there would would have you um not believe there are non-negotiables for roles because the hiring manager again has a specific problem that they need to solve a specific role that they are hiring for and it's like we need these things so it would be it would be very low i can't you know unless kind of the summary or experience like the summary was like really good or something like maybe i would read on a bit but that may be a very short look at a cv if that if those went on there so i think this actually ties it back to kind of how we started this this piece of this conversation is when you have depth of knowledge in a topic you actually take for granted how much you have and your resume is not the place to do that. You actually need to give the nitty gritty. You can't assume that the person reading is going to give you the, they're like, oh, well, they know it's a social media position. So of course they should just assume I've used TikTok. And it's like, nope, you need to make it super explicit and you can actually like teeter on verbose. It actually serves you. I totally agree with that. It's you know, again, don't be shy to mention it, you know, a couple of times, right? That doesn't just have to be once. It's like there could be the amount of times you posted on TikTok. It could be the amount of followers you increased on TikTok, engagement levels on TikTok went from this to this. So yeah, I would, again, if you want to, you know, you can absolutely err on the side of, uh, you know, being verbose. That's totally fine because it makes it easy for us to say yes. And that's, you know, what we want to do. So in this case, I love that this happened to be social media because it's always the example I use when I talk about tailoring the resume. Right. Uh, and I talk about like hiring for like an enterprise social media manager versus like a D2C social media manager. So you said that there was a few. Were they all like the same rec and you needed three people or were they subtly different and were you looking for different things for each one? 
it's actually almost a bit of a combination of both because it was basically the same role but kind of working on different franchises so so we had two candidates and i think one of them was definitely like more into kind of the world of warcraft side of things and then one was in i think it was hearthstone or something like that i can't quite remember now but so yeah it was the same rep but kind of different franchises and actually one of them was like a really big kind of world of warcraft guy so we were like well this actually makes a lot more sense there so it, do- it can even come into play you know with with things like that that's so cool and so i love like to tie it back to where we started i think that first is you got to have the competencies you got to have the abilities and so even things like should i include interests it, it doesn't really matter like first and foremost is show it and the, the the thing I always tell people is like every word on the resume needs to help build the case for why I should hire you. So if, if they, you're not applying to Spotify, I kind of don't care that you like guitars, you know, but and if you're applying to Activision Blizzard, yeah, it's cool that you're into photography, but like probably not that big of a deal. And so I think having that like situational awareness is really important in putting this like very specific version of you out there that is the most appealing to the person reading it. Yeah, that is so true. And again, for those roles, it it was relevant and could be relevant. And like you said, for other roles, it's like it's still maybe a nice to have if you're like, hey, yeah, I'm, you know, I've been playing Call of Duty for 20 years, which I which I do hear surprisingly often. It's kind of <laughs> it is amazing. But yeah, it's like it's ultimately, like you said, it's the content first, it's the experience first. Like that always comes first, which is why it kind of when, you know, people talk about different hacks and stuff, it's like the that's there isn't one. There just isn't. The content's gotta be good. You gotta show us you're qualified everything else is maybe kind of a, a cherry on top. Yeah, because I think where people, like where you hear the advice is like, well, what if that person is actually quietly a guitar enthusiast and you happen to like hit it off? That's going to be great in the interview, but they're only calling you into the interview for the qualifications. That wasn't the reason. It's like, oh, awesome. We, I can't wait to talk guitars with this person in the interview, but they've never done social media in their life. So it's not going to be the thing that gets you pulled in. Like, sure, it's going to be great in the interview and to like build connection, but ultimately it's not gonna be like those kind of like human connections on the resume. My sense is people aren't gonna put their career on the line on like something that connects you personally to the person reviewing the resume. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's more likely gonna come up that if the interview went really well because the person is qualified and they can do all the stuff that we can do. And I obviously isn't nice when we get on in an interview, right? You have something to talk about. And it might be something that I mentioned to the hiring manager after I say, hey, yeah, this person is like, we, you know, we looked at the resume, it looks great. Definitely they're qualified. They've done this, this, and this. And hey, they absolutely love Call of Duty. So that's great as well. That's the kind of level that we're talking about here. All right. That was awesome. I think we went deep into some stuff. You did say this resume had a logo. So I was just interviewing, I interviewed someone yesterday and their resume was absolutely not ATS friendly. It wasn't like quite like the Canva beautiful thing, but it had columns. It had these weird dividing lines. It had icons in front of every single contact thing. And I was like, but you know what? I interviewed that person. They applied. We use Greenhouse, went right through Greenhouse. And yeah, maybe they had to do a little more work filling out their application. I don't even think Greenhouse does that all that well. But it just didn't matter. Like that person and I had a conversation. I saw the content. The content was good. That prompted me to invite them in for an interview. Can you talk a little bit about that? You work at a big company. You guys probably use a robust ATS system. But like how often is that actually preventing someone from getting in front of you? Uh, No, it is not. There's no instances that we have known. uh, So we use Workday just for, you know, just so people are aware. We also use a system called Eightfold. Uh, That's one of those new ones. I've been doing like more and more ATS research. 
Yeah, it's quite new. Yeah, it seems yeah. pretty cool. The interesting thing is that it's got, you know, and I say this to people because I want to be transparent and we'll get, I'll get back to the question, but it was like, because Eightfold also gives you, I don't know if you've seen, but it gives the candidate a, a kind of mark out of five. So there's like five dots and it can do anything from kind of no dots to half, to like half dots, right? So it's anything from zero to five and halves. None of us that I know trust it <laughs> because it's one of those things where all you have to do is kind of check through the candidates and to kind of see how it's right. Maybe it'll get better and I'm sure it will. And I'm, I think that I think that technology is improving. But anyway, just to, you know, give people a sense of relief there as well, that that's, that's not that, even that's not rejecting you. It's just simply like giving a potential score, which we don't really. It augments. And, you know, I've built some of my own scripts internally where I would pass resumes through GPT and have it pull things out. But never did I actually have it make the question for it. It was like to streamline my process. I just, I don't want to risk it. There could be an awesome candidate. And I think people forget that we want to hire the best person. We're not actually looking to just like be the world's fastest resume reviewer. Like no one's in, we ultimately want to hire the person that helps this company be better. And it is not in our best interest to automatically screen people out. We want to hire people. Exactly. Like it's just like you said as well, why would we even do that? Like the only, and again, I've said this as well, the only time it happens where I may not look at a resume or someone in the company may not or other recruiters may not is if, for example, the role needs to be in a specific location, the person isn't in that location and they don't have a right to work in that location, right? Because then there's a whole relocation, immigration thing. It's a big expense to the business, all that stuff. And if it's not possible for that role, but that's the only reason. And to your point, yeah, oh my God, I've seen some resumes, which I'm sure, you know, some, let's just say kind of people on the internet would say, oh, that's not ATS friendly. That's not ATS compliant. I'm like, yeah, there's no, you know, in their view, there's no way this would be because I've seen some which are like not even don't even resemble a resume. It's almost like a, I don't know, a board game or something. It's like all this create is very creative. I respect it. But it's like all this like crazy stuff. It was fine. It was still fine. On workday on eightfold, I could see the resume. I was taken aback a little bit when I when I first saw it. Um, <laughs> but again, actually, and this is actually funny, I've used this example, that person ended up getting the job <laughs> because they were qualified to do it. And it was laid out there and I, you know, it was all formatted and all this stuff and it, but it was laid out there. They were qualified, you know, me and the hiring manager had a bit of a sort of a chuckle about it almost and be like, it's a good job. Again, to your point, it's a good job. We do look at all the resumes because that may have in this kind of fake ATS robot world, that would have been one that was just gone. Content trumps all, as you said. Yeah, we had one the other day that for some reason it did get mangled and like the preview in the ATS just showed like zeros and ones. So we just downloaded the PDF and looked at it. It's like, okay, exactly. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, sure, okay, so the preview thing was broken. And so I just think like, I think people forget we can't risk missing out on a good candidate because the technology messed up. So I'm like, oh, it messed up. I still need to read this resume. This person might be the one. That's so true. Exactly. You don't just even, like you said, even if that does happen, you don't just go, oh, well, on to the next. It's in nobody's interest to do that. So yeah, let's hope the myth will die out one day. It might take us a few years or, or whatever, but we'll be here dispelling it. Ultimately, it is the content. And, you know, there was like that meme or that real thing with a person that sent like a cake to Nike. They didn't, they didn't get the job because the content on the cake was not the right content. It's like, don't focus Sorry, yeah, on great cake, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there's definitely a joke there about having, can't have your cake in a year two or something <laughs> like that, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to figure it out. Someone else can. So I would love to talk about like the universality of job search advice and or not advice, but maybe how the process is similar. And, you know, for any of our international listeners, like are there things 
Well, I don't know if you hire globally or if you're more focused on European hires, but like one thing I've heard is like the, the pictures on resumes, right? In the US, it's just kind of like, don't do it, no, no. But then in other parts of the world, I actually think it's sort of expected to put like a photo on your resume. Um, but actually, I don't know that. So I'd love to get your your sense on that. Yeah, it's a really good question. So yeah, I primarily hire throughout Europe, whether it's the UK, uh, do a lot in Spain, do a lot in Sweden, I've done some in Germany, and uh, I've done some US, but kind of very, very few, mainly is, is Europe. Yeah, the pictures thing is, um, it's way more common. It's not that common in the UK. Most people don't do it. It is more common than I would like in the rest of Europe. And I've had feedback because I've posted on LinkedIn before about like, do not include a picture like, you know, because there's, it's just irrelevant. And people have said like, oh, you know, we, I'm from like this country, Spain or whatever. I think the Netherlands came up as well. And it was like, we've historically were encouraged to include a picture. Now, I don't know enough about the history or whatever to kind of look into that. I didn't kind of look into it, but I just said to them, I'm like, look, that at least initially is a, is a bias that you, you just do not want to open yourself up to that bias. And it's almost like, a you know, you could argue it's a little bit sad. You even have to say that, but yeah, I just think no, no pictures, you know, and I mean, unless it's a modeling job, I don't recruit models. I don't know how it works, but I, um, cause it's just not relevant. It's as simple as that. It's like anything. If you ask if that's relevant to the role, it isn't. And that's the question you should be asking about anything you put on your CV. So yeah, no, no pictures, please. Oh, that's good to hear. Funny enough, we did just do the research. So like the first resume where a lot of things were invented was Leonardo da Vinci. It was like the first recorded record of a resume. And then after that, resumes became these kind of documents that were all your statistics. Like they would even actually like list your weight, your marital status. Uh, and they did have a photo. And that's kind of like slowly but surely gotten better and less biased because some of these biases were explicit and in the world. And, or, <laughs> and so I'm glad we're getting better. But so it's kind of funny how these it's taking so long for some of these things to go away. Yeah, I mean, hundreds of years at this point. We should have solved that one by now. Let's, uh, yeah, yeah, we got to stay on that. But yeah, Da Vinci has invented seemingly uh, everything. I'm not surprised to hear that. On this though, because it did happen to me yesterday, so sometimes how I, where I take these conversations are my most recent experiences. So LinkedIn, I think actually the, uh, the inverse is kind of true in a weird way. I don't know. Hope I, I don't get canceled for these things. I did see someone on LinkedIn the other day and they just had this like grumpy, mean, like looking photo. Who knows? It might have been like Mr. Rogers for all I know. But like the photo definitely like was like, I'm not sh like this person's making me nervous. Like, I don't know what you're, you know, it was this like dark photo and it's like half cut off and like their hat was low. And I was, I was just like, I can't unsee it. Um, but I also don't exactly. particularly love when I see like an illustration or a cartoon. I'm just being like very honest about like the thought because I try to be super cognizant of my feelings and my thoughts when I'm looking on LinkedIn and also my history. Like there's also just like, I have tried to like bring those people in and I'm like, oh, you know, you know, we needed them to speak English and like they don't. There's more like authenticity that I think is important. And I'm so like, I'm somewhat like affected by that. That was like a pattern. I'm like, well, now if I don't see a real photo and also like another one is like, if there isn't a photo, I'm like, if this person can't take the time, you know, we're an internet company, we're on, we need people to be tech forward and they haven't even like put in a profile picture on LinkedIn. It's like less about the picture itself. And it's like, but look, I, one of our most amazing engineers didn't even have a LinkedIn profile, right? So it's like none of these things are universal yeah. truths. Yeah. He worked at a government contractor and they didn't allow him to have one. So it's so complicated, but I do think it affects, you know, the way we think and the way that we evaluate these resumes. So 
how do you think about that with, with like LinkedIn and where does LinkedIn come in in your process? Is it like before, after the resume? Obviously, it depends if you're probably doing inbound, outbound. But how do you think about LinkedIn in the mix? Yeah, exactly. So if I'm um, obviously we're, for, we're well, not obviously, but we are fortunate enough to have, you know, a really good brand name, really strong brand. We do get a lot of inbound uh, applications. So, yeah, typically I will like, for example, if I'm like about to screen a candidate, right, I'll obviously have their CV up, you know, just a few minutes before familiar. I'll be like, oh, yeah, cool. They've done this. I have a structure that I like to sort of, you know, stick to again for sort of almost like consistency purposes, right? But it's like I may want to delve into this type of thing. And then I'll usually bring up the LinkedIn as well. Now, sometimes there isn't a LinkedIn to your point, And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I will bring it up because honestly, sometimes, again, because the CV and the resume has gotten to this point, so it's fine. But I'm like, I'd, I'd really love a bit more information about this. And the great thing about LinkedIn is that it is laid out nice and easy, right? You just can kind of see the person's experience provided they've filled it out, which sometimes also doesn't happen. So, and again, at that point, it's not a deal breaker or on a call already, but I just think it's kind of another tool in your, in your arsenal, like so, just something to use. And so the picture thing, like, uh, you know, I, there's a, you know, I'm sure you've seen the whole open to work, uh, you know, de- debates going on, on LinkedIn as well, which is a whole nother thing that, d- that has no, no impact on me. But yeah, I think it's that's when I tend to use LinkedIn is to and sometimes although fairly rarely a hiring manager might be like, this person looks really interesting, but like um, I need to like see a bit more about their experience. Can you have a check on their LinkedIn? Uh, in which case I will do. Sometimes they still don't have a profile, which is obviously a shame. But yeah, that's typically when I look at it almost to be like, right, let me kind of I've seen the CV. If I want a bit more info, a bit more context, sometimes that is on LinkedIn. So I'll tend to use it there. Obviously, if I'm going outbound, which I am doing for a couple of roles at the moment, it's really key. You know, it's really important because, again, I'll show a potentially interesting profile to a hiring manager. And if not all the information is on there, sometimes they're like, yeah, let's find out some more. But sometimes they're like, I just can't, you know, I'm not sure. And there's a bunch of other candidates that I've sent them, right? So they're like, well, these ones all do. Let's interview these five and go from there. So it's a tool in your arsenal that, I mean, it's free as well that you you absolutely should be using. You know, if you don't want to create content and all that, that's fine. But like, please put your experience in there and align it with your CV and your resume, right? Yeah, and, and I think it's one of these things that doing a crappy job is worse than doing no job. Because like, honestly, the people who don't have a LinkedIn, I'm like, okay, well, look, they have a resume. But if they do put a LinkedIn and it's like not, like well tended to, again, you don't need to be posting, but just like the basics. And I'm like, oh, this actually hurt you. Yeah, there's nothing there. Like no, I was like, wait, why, why do you even have this then? Yeah, exactly. And it's like almost, it's like if you've filled out, if you've submitted a CV, a resume, you've by definition, like written that, you've done that. So just put it on your LinkedIn. Like it's, it should really be a really easy job. And not to mention even just for us who are already interviewing you, but again, you know, other recruiters, other recruiters will see it, other companies will see it, you know, um, that it's actually filled out. It makes us want to reach out to, it makes hiring managers say yes, so which is what they all want. So I think another aspect of the way we build confidence when hiring is by having more information, right? It, it's a progressive, like I tell people, it's like, imagine you have like a weight scale, you know, and there's like yes and no weights. And like our job as the person applying is to like, get more weights on the yes. And so the more information we have, but you have to do it in a strategic way also, right? Because you can call me out for what I just said. It's like, oh, then that would mean like submit a 10 page resume. It doesn't work like that. Think about going to see a movie. Like first I see the trailer and I'm like, ooh, that's intriguing. Well, first, like the first five seconds of the trailer, I'm like, I'm intrigued. 
And like, oh, I'm going to watch the whole trailer. Then it's like, oh, wait, that trailer was great. I'm Then it's like, will I wait for this on streaming? Or will I actually pay the 20 bucks to go see it in the movie theater? Will I see it on the first day? It's kind of not that different. It's like progressively revealing. And like what you want is like, I am absolutely going to pay 20 bucks to see that movie on the first day, like the night before at midnight, right? That's like the dream scenario, which that just kind of happens on any Marvel movie for me. But I'm like bought into the brand. But you got to like progressively pull someone in. And so like the resume is that teaser. And then like, okay, cool. I'm going to go to their LinkedIn. The LinkedIn's got to reaffirm. It's like, oh yeah, this is great. I really, all right, awesome. I got to get this person in for an interview. A hundred percent, exactly. And that's like you said, unfortunately, where it can hurt you a little bit. Like even if your LinkedIn isn't up to date, for example, and it's like, well, they were doing this role like two roles ago. Like are they, what's the, again, and, and, and even sometimes, you know, they'll have it on the CV and it's not up to date. And you think you're just missing a trick here. And I think your point of, like you said, it's slowly kind of building towards that. Yes. Like we know, we, like you said, we see the resume. Oh, that looks really good. I'll kind of like have a look on the LinkedIn. Oh yeah, that looks really good. You come to the interview, your answers are really good about your experience. You know, you're the star method, all these things. And you're thinking, oh man, yes. Like then I'm going to the hiring manager and saying, I got a great candidate, like interview them again, do the same with them. They're going to say to their team, Hey, I got a really great candidate you know, without kind of going into all the detail and bias and all that stuff. But like, hey, I've got a great candidate. I want you to interview them. And like you said, it just kind of snowballs. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of analogies around job search and dating as well, right? But that's almost kind of similar. You know, you have the kind of the online profile. Somebody wants, oh, yeah, that looks kind of interesting. You know, they look at it. You've written a kind of bit more. Oh, yeah, that actually looks really cool. You get that first date. You have a really good conversation. And then it's like, you know, it, and it kind of snowballs. And then it's eventually like, yes, like I want to, you know, I want to be in a relationship with this person. In this case, it'll be like, yes, we want to hire them. So yeah, it's a slow kind of burn and each stage has to kind of just get, as you say, add the weight to that yes pile. It's a delicate dance and it, you know, not in any way making it easy, but it's it's a big commitment on both sides. I think like where you choose to go and take your career is a big deal, right? Getting the right logos on your career, joining the right companies, also on your resume, getting the right, joining the right companies at the right time and then vice versa. You know, if a company makes, I just don't think we talk enough about I don't think job seekers understand the level of risk and pain it is to a company to make a wrong hire. And that's a lot of why we have all these processes and more interviews. And not that I agree with that, right? But it's all this kind of like hedging, cover your ass kind of stuff because you're optimizing for like not making a bad decision. Yeah, you're so right. And it's, you know, on both sides of the, you know, the hiring manager, the interviewing team, the recruiter and the the job seeker, the potential candidate, there is a lot of risk. Like there's no denying it, as you said. And it's like, it's the more you can, if you do kind of everything that all the stuff we've talked about, you will engender trust in the hiring manager and in the hiring team that you can't predict the future, but you engender trust that this is a good hire. And then at least, you know, if for some reason it doesn't work out, hopefully it would in that case. If for some reason it doesn't, they can we can all at least say, hey, it just didn't work out this time. It's not a case of like, you know, them three months later being like, oh my God, like this was a really, really bad decision, you know, and, and all this stuff or even, you know, sick after probation, even that'd be even worse. But yeah, you're right. I think actually job seekers kind of, it almost gives you kind of a confidence boost, right? To realize it would be really bad risk for them to make a bad hire. So I'm going to make it really easy for them and make it simple for them to trust in me that I'm a really good hire and I'm going to come in and do a great job. I think that's kind of a really interesting piece of leverage for job seekers to take into, you know, any conversation they have. As a way to depersonalize it, like what I try to tell people is like, 
be super cognizant of the next time you, you go buy something. Like, be honest, like go to a website and see how fast, how much time you gave that website before you switched. When you see that ad, did you like stay on it and like read all of the advertising? Oh, when a commercial comes on on Hulu like, or on YouTube, do you watch the whole ad? Or as soon as the skip ad button comes up, do you click it? Right? Like, why are you not giving that company a chance to watch their advertisement that they paid all this money to put in front of you? Be cognizant of your buying behavior and how critical you are of how you deploy your dollars. And then say, all right, that's the same lens that they're applying to my resume. What am I doing them to get them to not skip the ad so that they invest the time and energy? It's such a great analogy. And on my newsletter, I basically did that exact analogy to start my previous newsletter. So I basically said, how many social media ads have you scrolled past in your life? I mean, at this point, it's like tens of thousands, probably, which, you know, feels a little dystopian, quite <laughs> frankly. Yeah. But that's exactly what you're saying. And it's like, you didn't, what, you want them to take all of those personally? Like, that's just not how it's going to work. And like you said, if you view yourself, I know it feels personal. First of all, I do want to acknowledge that. I know it can feel very personal, and particularly when you've interviewed as well. It can feel intensely personal. But you have to practice getting to that point, as you say, to view it from their lens, to view it from your lens with what you do is when you're going to buy something, when you skip over something, it will help kind of, you know, just focus on the task at hand and not kind of think, oh, I must suck or I can't do anything or, you know, you tie yourself worth to it, which again, I get, but to practice not doing that is a, is a really valuable thing. Yeah, I've talked about this a couple of times on a few episodes. It's actually ultimately not about you. It's more about the person. First and foremost, would hiring you cause me to lose my job, right? That's like, like the safety animalistic, like, you know, so are you at risk? Like, would you hurt me? And then, then we transition to, would hiring you actually boost my identity? Would they like, would you help the company be better and ultimately help my prosperity? Would I get some shine because you're awesome and I help bring you in? So it's really a, a, a very selfish, and I don't mean that in a bad way, act. It's not about you at all, like the person submitting. It's about me and how I think you joining the company will affect me. A hundred percent. And it's, if you can understand that and if you can appeal to that person's self-interest, you know, and Robert Greene, you know, uh, 48 Laws of Power, one of the laws of power is, you know, appeal to self-interest, never to like gratitude or mercy. And it's like, because at the end of the day, like you said, the animalistic thing comes first, but then it's also like, man, if I hire this person, I'm going to look really good. They're going to do great work for me. I'm going to look really good. I'm going to get promoted. I'm going to get recognition. If you can tap into that, and like you said, you can, it isn't about if you take almost yourself out of it and it just appeal to that self-interest point of view, like I said, they have a problem they want to solve. They have a pain point. They want this interview to go really well. They don't want it to be like, oh God, I hope they've done no research. And I hope they just, you know, what, like they're already almost primed to like want to say yes. And it's the same with us. I'm rooting for you. I want it to go well. I've had all sorts of calls this week with all sorts of variety. People who've done just come across really well because they've done a ton of research they've had the they've clearly looked at the job spec they've asked really interesting questions and unfortunately i've had the opposite i've had it where it's like people are you know someone for example the other day was like oh yeah was was that this role that i applied for you know <laughs> and it's like that you know it's not necessarily that alone but it was kind of it, the whole thing it was there was a complete lack of preparation you know i think i posted about this the other day but you really are snatching defeat from the jaws of victory if you're there they're already primed to like want to be like yeah this is the person help them help you to your point at the beginning it's, there's a lot of ands in the job search right? like i can be sympathetic for folks that are applying to a lot of jobs and they lose track but i can also 
would like equal weight say, if you show up to a job description and ask me what job did I apply to, there's 0% chance you're moving forward. Yeah, exactly. I just cannot, like I said, I get if you've applied to all sorts of jobs and fine, like, and I absolutely get that it can be hard to keep track of unless you use Teal, just to be clear. (laughs) And that is true, but it can be really hard to keep track of. But yeah, if you do that, it's not, you're just doing yourself just a, a huge disservice. I just cannot put you through if that happens. I just can't. You, know? you can't. You just can't. It's too risky. You can't. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we covered some good stuff on this one. This one was a lot of fun. But you also continue to put out great content on many channels. You got a newsletter. You're active on LinkedIn, on TikTok. How can folks get in on all this great content? Well, yeah, thanks, uh, Dave. I really appreciate that. So yeah, LinkedIn is, uh, I'm on there a few times a week. The newsletter goes out. And then, yeah, the newsletter goes out once a week, every Sunday, ahead of the uh, the week of job searching. Those are probably the best ways, you know, all the links are kind of on my LinkedIn to find me. And same to you, Dave, honestly, this, you know, I really love, and honestly was like surprised when I first kind of found out about Teal. I was like, wow, this is like an actual, this is like a thing. This is like an actual thing. I was like, I had no idea until kind of earlier this year that there was stuff out there like this that was just had the same sort of mission as me and a lot of the other recruiters to help job seekers, but was so like comprehensive in terms of, you know, its features and just being able to track the jobs, being able to track who you've networked with, which I absolutely love that one uh, and follow up with and all that stuff. So yeah, I love what you guys are doing. I love the content that you put out and the, and Leah and Leah, I, uh, I apologize there. Um, but- yeah, they're both Leah's. Spelled differently, but <laughs> the two Leas, yeah, you guys, uh, yeah, really do a great job, and I'm a big fan. So thank you for having me on. Awesome, this was great. Yeah, this was like this episode really. I feel like covered. We like our whole approach is like from the business side, right? We're not folks that have been career coaches. We're not folks that have been professional resume writers. No, no shade to them, but we come from business. I've hired hundreds of people, and everyone like we, and it's like. This is the truth. This is what we see. We want to give people the truth. No fear mongering here, no snake oil. Like this is the truth. And this is how people make decisions. And we want to equip people with that information so they can think of themselves as a business. Like that, this is commercial. I understand it's personal and as you know, rejection, redirection, all that kind of stuff. I get it. I get it. But at the end of the day, it's a business. These are commercial interactions. And we want to equip people with as much information as possible to understand that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And which is why the self-interest point is so valid. They want something. They have a problem to solve. They have a need. Tap into that. You will do very well. Simple as that. Awesome, Matt. This was a ton of fun. I think we're going to have to do another one. And uh, I'm going to go dust off my box of StarCraft. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. I'm going to play some Candy Crush. But yeah, thanks, Dave. It was great to chat. All right. Talk soon. All right. Talk soon. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. We are here to help job seekers. The point of this show is to give you the behind the scenes look at the hiring practices of companies and to debunk a lot of the myths and fear mongering that's out there. So if you like the show, please subscribe. Would love for you to write me on LinkedIn or comment on one of my posts if you'd like to be a guest. We're really looking for practitioners that are in the hiring role, whether it be a hiring manager or a recruiter. We want to give people that inside view to what it looks like like to be hired and to understand the inside view of how companies operate. So please let me know. And if you're job searching, check out Teal, tealhq.com. We are here to help you land a job you love. All right, thanks. And we'll catch you on the next one.